Did your favorite NFL team win the Super Bowl? No? Then the NFL Draft is your Super Bowl. I'm Danny Heifetz, and from now until the draft, we are turning our fantasy football show feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we talk about the top players and most important storylines for the NFL Draft. So join us on the Ringer NFL Draft Show. It's the Ringer's Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up. And with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special. Shield Kapadia pinch potting for Chris Ryan. Joined by the man, Raheem Palmer, producing Cliff Augustine. Raheem, I got an exercise I want to start with here, but Sixers win 96-84. They go up 2-0. This exercise is going to help me get your thoughts on what happened there. But first of all, nice to be back potting together. We didn't get the most fun game, but hey, we'll break it down anyway. Yeah, I mean, I I think it was a a positive. There was a lot of positives here. Um, a lot of negatives too, but a lot of lot more positives. Um, and you know, we didn't get the pod for you know um, the game one of the series. I had a little emergency, unfortunately. Um, I would have loved to have potted after that one because that one yeah. that was you know a great performance. But you know, I think we learned a lot more about this team in this performance. So um, it's great to pot with you again. Okay, I'm interested to hear what you think. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to paint two pictures. I'm going to give you the rosy, you know, you have friends, you have buddies. Some of them are always negative. Some of them are always painting the rosy picture. I'm going to paint the two pictures for you. You tell me which one you align with more. And then, of course, you could give me your thoughts on the game. Because I'll admit, I'm a little surprised off the bat. You say more positives uh, to take from this game. So I want to hear what those are. All right, so here, here's the rosy picture from this game you know you you have a friend they say come on they didn't have their a game it's the playoffs you're not going to play every game perfectly you come out it's a 12 point win the nets come out they're doing some weird stuff defensively they're trapping mb differently they're showing him different looks sixers turn the ball over 19 times and guess what they won the game comfortably by 12 points that's what good teams do in the past sixers show up in a game like this past years they lose this game so everyone just settle down every game's not going to be pretty they're up 2-0 they're right where they need to be all right that's the rosy picture now the bleak picture 
Give me a freaking break with this team. Are you serious? I mean, that felt like a Tuesday night game in mid-January against the freaking Charlotte Hornets. I mean, talk about a quiet arena. I've got the Kings-Warriors game on here. Everyone's going nuts uh, in the background, in the stands. The fans had nothing to cheer about in this game. What did the Sixers think? They just show up and win? I mean, James Harden, are you serious in this game? That's the guy we're supposed to believe is going to take us to the conference finals. A complete disaster. Eight points and five turnovers in 38 minutes. Is going to be the same old Sixers team. Yeah, they won. Yeah, they're going to get out of the first round. But nothing here makes me believe in them that they're going to get out of the second round. All right. That's the exercise. I don't have names for those people, Raheem. I don't know who they are. They're imaginary people in my mind as I'm trying to figure out what to take away from this game. So who do you align with more, person A or person B? And then give me some overall thoughts on what you saw tonight from the Sixers. Um, I think it's a little more in the middle. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 65-35 <laughs> person B. Because okay. in order for, like, look, we hope we consider this Philadelphia 76ers team a contender. We can send we consider ourselves uh have, having a legit chance of winning the championship. You have to go out there and you know put the beat down on this team. You just do. However, that said, I think Joel Embiid was played differently than he normally is played. I mean, he, I mean, they, they played him this way in the, in the first game. You know, they doubled, they trapped him. You know, they basically said, Joel Embiid, you can't beat us one-on-one. That's what they said. And, you know, in the first half, you had Joel Embiid with, you know, a bunch of turnovers. I think he had three turnovers in the first half. James Harden, for me, is just, and I've said this all year, James Harden is the most important player on this team. As, as Joel and me might be our best player, but the most important player is James Harden because he's the one who consistently has the ball in his hand. He's going to be the guy who is going to be playmaking for our team. He's going to be setting everybody up. He can't play this poorly. And the reason why I said it's, it's more positive than negative is because when you look at the shape of this Brooklyn Nets team, how are they constructed? They're constructed with wings. Dorian Finney-Smith. They're constructed yeah. with, you know, they have all, all these wings. Dorian Finney-Smith, Cam Johnson. Like, they have so many wings. Mikael Bridges. And the team that we have the most problems with in the Boston Celtics, they're constructed the same way. So I feel as though this is like a mini test. Like, you know, they give you a pop quiz before they give you the, <laughs> the final. That's what this is. Like, and to me, I kind of feel like the Sixers... They passed the test today, but they didn't pass it with the A. Um, but I need us to pass it with the A because it's only going to get harder in the next series. Like, I mean, you look at that first half, you know, all of the turnovers, the struggles in transition, they're not hitting the three. If you play the Celtics in that manner, we're down 20 points at halftime. Yeah, that that's the thing. You know, it's a, it's a it's a good comparison for sure because you're right. It's like if this were a more talented Nets team, this is a game you lose. I mean, this was a talent win. It was just like you have so many better players than they have that a larger sample. You get to more possessions. You get to the second half. You don't have to play great, and you're still going to win the game. I mean, in the in the first half, right? They're not playing well at all. They have a stretch in the second quarter. They go five minutes with one field goal. Cam Johnson looked like Kawhi Leonard or somebody. I don't know what was going on in the first half. He is just absolutely killing them. And then, you know, they flash the score at halftime and it's 49-44. 
That's when I go, okay, I think the Sixers are going to win this game. They cannot possibly play worse than they played there in the first half, and they're only down five points here. And then you get to the second half. It was pretty hilarious. You know, Doc uh, or Glenn, sorry, uh, calls his timeout (laughs) one minute in to the third quarter, and they've got him mic'd up, and he's literally, like, he had nothing. He he literally just said, come on, guys, come on. Come on, come on. Like, that's his speech. Come on, guys. They go on a 25 run. So maybe, listen, if the Sixers win the NBA Finals, that speech, that come on, guys speech will go down in uh, in Philadelphia Philadelphia lore. That's all it took there. They st- Did you think in the first half it was more, like, energy, effort was off? Did you think they just shots were not falling when they had open looks? Like, how do you explain what that team looked like in the first half of this game? To me, they look completely lifeless. I mean, it was it was a little bit of everything. I mean, I think Joel and B, he was making the right play at times. Yeah. But at the same time, he had those turnovers. Um and, and you know, I think we spoke about it all year. If you have those turnovers, you allow teams to get out and transition and score. And that's one thing that we struggle with. Um, so we didn't hit our open looks, but it just energetically, I didn't like how we defended at all. Like there was just so much wrong with the way we played in that first half, and it was just frustrating. And, and you know, it starts with our stars. Our stars have to be better. Like, and it's just James Harden and like a lot of people criticize me on Twitter. Um, because I reacted, you know, I reacted violently and it just, it was very frustrating for me. And it was just like, for me, I was just like, as an MVP, you have Dorian Finney Smith on you. You have Royce O'Neal on you. I need more than eight points from you. Like I, I, I know the way they're guarding you, but it's up to Glenn to find ways to get Joel Embiid in the lower post. It's up, like, I, I just needed to see more from my stars. And I was very disappointed in that first half. Yeah, then in the second half, they start going to Embiid at the elbow. Like you said, he's making, I mean, he still had eight turnovers in the game, but he's making, you know, good decisions. They're getting open threes. They didn't shoot the ball well tonight. But like you said, the quality of shots, it seemed like, uh, really picked up there in the second half. They start to hit their threes. They didn't have to overthink it. I mean, the Nets didn't, you know, the Nets don't have a plan C or a plan D. They just don't have the personnel to really, uh, you know, they're, they're trying stuff. They're throwing stuff against the wall, trying to maximize, trying to sloppy up the game and make it ugly and find a way to win that way but ultimately they don't have the talent there i gotta say right my you know my big takeaway from this like if i were sometimes when i'm getting ready to pot like a post game pot i try to think like a columnist like what would my angle be on this game what would i write about uh, on this game as you know former used to write write more than i talked i can't get over that james harden performance man i mean like that was brutal let me give you some james harden numbers here 38 minutes, 3 for 13 from the field, 2 for 8 from 3, 8 points, 7 assists, 5 rebounds, 5 turnovers, 5 fouls from James Harden in this game. He did not get to the free throw line, Raheem. First game, you mentioned it, we didn't pot after the first game. He shoots great from 3, but in 2 games, Raheem, 2 for 13 from inside the three-point line in two games. Do you know how many free throws he shot in the first two games of this series? <laughs> how many has he shot? Zero. Zero. Two for 13 from inside the arc. Has not attempted 
a free throw. And we knew coming into the playoffs, the hope, if you were a Sixers fan, was, hey, James Harden got to rest the end of the season. Maybe that Achilles will be feeling better. Maybe he'll look like the guy we saw in December, January, February, part of March. That was the Sixers' hope because that James Harden looked really good. They looked like a different team from past versions. First game, I think we maybe got a little fooled a little bit because he was nailing all those threes. But my goodness, if this is what it's going to look like from James Harden, it's just so hard for me to get excited uh, about this team. How does he look to you physically, the way he's playing? Any of those numbers surprise you or are those pretty much what you felt like you were seeing with your eyes as you watch these games? It hasn't surprised me at all. And I mean, like I said this before, um, you know, since he, he suffered that Achilles injury in the Chicago game, this has not been the same player at all um like it's just it's it, it's highly disappointing because i just don't feel like he's healthy and you know game one was a little bit of fool's goal well i won't even call it fool's goal what it feels like to me is that you're seeing a very similar player to what we saw last year and yes. what we saw last year was we saw a player who is highly dependent on his three-point shot going in if his step back three is is, is going in Oh, he's 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 in a good spot. If it's not, then you have a guy who's not really effective on offense outside of his playmaking. So, you know, in game one, 23 points, seven of 13 from three. Um, He didn't really get around the wings too much. He had 13 assists. That was great. Um, He had just four turnovers. Um, And his shot went in and you, you see the Sixers end up, you know, winning that game going away. But today he was three of 13. Two for eight for three, five turnovers, seven assists. And it's just like, if his threes are going in, he's fine. But it just feels like to me since that Chicago game, I think if you look at his averages, um, not including these first two playoff games, but he's, he was averaging 14.7 points per game on 33% shooting from three and 38% shooting from the field. So I think it's pretty, pretty clear that he's not where he was, you know, back in early March, February, January, December. And I think that's problematic for the Sixers going forward. It's a it's a great comparison to last year. You nailed it when you said that. I'm like, that's exactly what it looks like. Because even last year, there was a game here and a game there where you say, okay, all right, maybe this can work. But there were games where he just disappeared, as we know, you know, the final game uh, that they lose there. He's a complete non-factor. He didn't look right physically. And so I'll be honest, you know, after game, I watched game one and I couldn't like, I was trying to get an opinion in my head. How does he look physically? Cause he was getting by people a little bit. He wasn't finishing, but he was getting by people. He had a couple of those who's and I, you know, the crowd go ooh and I, he makes a guy fall down or uh, changes direction. I'm like, all right, maybe he looks okay. I, I don't know. I can't. So I wanted to see tonight. What does it look like now? You know, you had uh, what they played Saturday. You had one day off. You come back on a Monday. What does he look like? Let's, let's kind of have it going in one direction or the other. And it went in the direction that I was uh, completely hoping it would not go in with James Harden. So just honestly, watching that game, that was like my number one takeaway was like, shoot, man, if this is what it's going to look like, uh, we all know how this story is going to end. And I didn't want to come on, come on the show and just lead with that because they won the game and they're up to nothing. But if I'm just speaking honestly about what was in my head watching that game, that uh, that was my number one takeaway with James Harden. So who knows? Maybe there'll be a miracle. Maybe he'll, you know, Thursday he'll come out. He'll look like a different guy. But uh, I know he's never, he's not a good defensive player, but 
but I mean, there were just moments today where, I mean, he is just like standing there and guys are blowing by him. All right, let's take a quick break. I want to come back. I want to talk about Tyrese Maxey. And then I want to talk a little bit more about what you were saying about, are we not allowed anymore to just react as fans to what's happening uh, to a basketball game? We'll be back in a moment on the Ringers Philly special. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. All right, we're back here. Shield Kapadia with Raheem Pomeroy. I end that was kind of a you know, a hardened, that was kind of a depressing note. Let's talk about Tyrese Maxey. I mean, yeah, even in the first half where it's like like you said, they look sluggish, they look lethargic. Who was the one guy who was showing up who has always has the energy? I mean, I don't know that he ever has a lethargic game. He has bad games, but it's never due to a lack of energy, a lack of juice. Uh, just fantastic tonight. What did he have? 33 points, six for 13 from three. He was aggressive, he was good in transition. I just love having a guy who in a quarter, like he can just take over a quarter. He can score you 12, 14 points in a quarter. He had a stretch there where he scored seven in a row and kind of kept them uh, in the game. What did you see from uh, from Maxi tonight? It, it felt like he, you know, he kept us in that game in that first half. And he, I mean, he his play tonight was the reason why I say we have a big three. Um, and you know, like you know, in the first half, Joel and B, he didn't. He only had eight points. James Harden struggled throughout the game, but we had another guy who could, you know, 
hit threes and, you know, score the basketball and just, you know, put pressure on the defense. And, you know, it's these type of games that that kind of give you hope for the Sixers team because you got to have that third will. Um, I don't think we have a ton of depth off the bench in terms of scoring. So, you know, anytime Tyrese Maxey can give you what he gave you tonight, I mean, it's absolutely huge. Um, so it, it, it was really exciting to see that. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. It's almost like when I look ahead to that Celtics here, I know Maxi. it's a bad matchup for Maxi against the Celtics. We all know the numbers when Maxi has played the Celtics. But if you're holding on to Colonel Pope, I'm almost like maybe he's got something. Maybe he's got something. Maybe he's got a plan B for him where he can really, you know, maybe he takes over a game, maybe he takes over quarters in stretches again. I know it's a different opponent, but he just has that in him. You know what you're getting night in and night out with his energy, with the way he's playing, and he looks mm-hmm. healthy here uh, and you know he, this is the same thing we said the same thing we said about Harden in terms of this being a test this I mean this is a good test for Maxi. I mean he's dealing yeah. with you know like when you look at all of the all of the wings that they have it's just as tough for Maxi to score in this series as it is in a series with the Celtics so I think that's really encouraging yeah, no doubt. And he makes such like some of these shots are high degree of difficulty uh, shots that he makes uh, and he's able to carry them through stretches. Uh, anything on the role players here? P.J. Tucker, not a good game. 0 for 4, 0 points in 22 minutes. Still still had the energy, but that shot was not falling. That corner three. Uh, Tobias Harris with 20 points, 12 rebounds. I thought he had uh, a nice game for them. McDaniels, Niang, uh, B-ball. No, B-ball Paul didn't have a moment tonight like he had in the first game with, yeah. uh, with the th- through the legs in traffic. But uh, any of those guys get your uh, attention tonight for, for for good or for bad? Um, I mean, when it comes to P.J. Tucker, I mean, we've said this all year. Is he going to be able to hit his threes in the postseason? Um, we all know that he's out there for defense. Um, and we all know that he's going to be able to defend. Um, you know, I'm look, I'm really looking ahead to the Boston series. So that's my main focus on everything. When I have these criticisms, yeah. it's it's like, what are we going to have to do to beat them? Because this, this is just... <laughs> this is just a warm-up. And if P.J. Tucker can hit his threes, I, I think he's productive. Um, obviously, he went 0-4 tonight, 0-5 from the field. But, I mean, he still got eight rebounds, and he still played good defense. So, in this series, that's good enough. What do you think in that cell? I mean, tonight, Tucker plays 22 minutes. McDaniels plays 22 minutes. Uh, just in that Celtic series, like you said, looking ahead, how do you feel like those guys will match up? How will those minutes be split? Who do you want to see uh, more of? I don't know if that's something you've talked about or thought about uh, already, but just when you mentioned that, uh, that that question came to mind. Um, I, I definitely want to see more of P.J. Tucker. Um, I, I think he has the proven track record of just being able to you know, contain the top guys, but I just need him to be able to hit the three. I am worried about if either of those guys can you know, consistently hit a jumper. Um, when it matters. That's that's what I'm really worried about. Because, I mean, we saw throughout this series, um, you know, in game one, guys are hitting their jumpers. And tonight, they weren't. So that's what it's going to come down to, especially against a Celtics team who shoots the three at one of the highest frequencies in the NBA and one of the highest percentages. So, you know, P.J. Tucker in game one, two for five from three. Um, McDaniels, one for one from three. And I think, you know, the thing about McDaniels is he's a guy who he's not going to shoot a lot of threes. He's going to, you know, he's going to score mostly off, you know, back cuts and hustle plays and things like that. P.J. Tucker has to be able to hit those open looks because he's going to get them. 
he's gonna get and i i suggested this like at, at some point somebody asked me this about in terms of like props for the playoffs i'm i think you always kind of have to look at pj tucker over threes because he's always going to get those opportunities and you know <laughs> volume matters <laughs> Yeah, he, he he's getting uh, some wide-open looks there. By the way, with McDaniels, what's going on with McDaniels with these lobs? I mean, why can he never finish a lob? It happened again today. Like, can somebody just, you know, can we just spend like 20 minutes a day just throw lobs to my guy? Uh, he looks like he should be able to finish those and dunk those every time. Yet, I don't know what the percentages are, what the numbers are, but another one tonight, I think it was from Harden in transition, sets him up, and he's unable to uh, to finish there. So that was just another note I had when you watch these games. Uh Sixers big boyed him a little bit. Phil, you mentioned Tucker with the rebounds, 56 rebounds to 33, 13 offensive rebounds uh, for the Sixers in this game, and 46 points in the paint to 22 for the Nets. So the Nets try to go small, try to do some different things, and the Sixers kind of take advantage uh, of them there. How, how do you expect the Nets to kind of play the rest of this series? I mean, like I said, I don't think they have a ton of options with what they can do. They're trying stuff, which I like. I mean, I like when you're the underdog and you're, you know, you don't just go out there and play one way. You're like, we got to yuck it up a little bit and see what happens. So credit to them for doing that. I just don't know that there's a strategy for them uh, that's going to be able to steal them really more than one game. Yeah, I mean, I think, they're, I mean, the, the way they're going to win games in this series is by... You know, just increasing increasing the variance and just out shooting the Sixers from three. They shot thirty seven percent from three tonight. That's not going to get it done. They're going to have to. They they basically kind of have to hope that the Sixers shoot like they did in the first half, um, and they go out there and make 50 percent of their threes. That's really the recipe. They're going to go small. They have no chance of of slowing down Joel Embiid when he's one on one. You know, I think tonight. I think with all of the doubling, that threw Joel Embiid off his off his rhythm initially. So when he was going one on one, you know, up to the fourth quarter, up to the third quarter, I think he was one of four from the field, and then they allowed him to go one on one two more times in the fourth quarter, and he was two of two. So it's yeah. clear why they're you know they're doubling Joel Embiid and saying you know what everybody else beat me. So. I, I think the recipe for them is just they just got to they got to knock down their threes and hope they have an otherworldly shooting night. Because, <laughs> I mean, even on a night where the Sixers didn't play well, they still won by 12. <laughs> yeah, this was kind of you're right. This was sort of the game like I picked the Sixers in five and I thought they were, you know, we've just watched them. We know they're going to have like a sluggish, lethargic game. And I thought, all right, you lose that game. You're still going to win in five. They kind of had that game. and They still won that game. So maybe uh, the sweep is in play if they got it out of their system. I'm looking at some of these numbers on uh, cleaningtheglass.com. It looks like 19% of the Sixers shots tonight were corner threes, which is like the 99th percentile. So yeah, they were they were getting those looks uh, all night long, not necessarily knocking them down. And then they turned the ball over on, wow, 20% of their possessions and 21% of their possessions end in turnovers tonight, which is just uh, which is just horrible. But again, you overcome that and you win a game by 12, point when you, 12 points when you turn it over on 21% of your possessions. All right, let's finish and talk a little bit about uh, fandom. You and Cliff were talking about this before we came on. Uh, so I didn't get the... You're, so what, you're, you're firing off some tweets. 
you're watching the game, giving your opinions, and then what? People come back at the end and get get mad at you. Is is that what we got going on here? Because I don't like that. Yeah, that's. Exactly, I mean, you know how our city is. <laughs> I mean, I was born and raised in Philadelphia. Were you? I mean, were you born here? I'm in the suburbs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know how it is. Um, so I mean, look, I'm I'm as Philly as it comes. I was born and raised here. I went to school here. I never left outside of, you know, the, the times where I was in Vegas for, you know, five, six months. I never left. So for me, I feel like I'm allowed to be a frustrated fan. I'm allowed to say, you know what? I demand better. Joel Embiid is the MVP. James Harden is a former MVP. Like, I mean, these are all NBA type players. For me, the bar is low if I can't criticize my guys. If I can't say, you know what, Joel Embiid is matched up against Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal, he needs to have eight points. He needs to have more than eight points. If I can't criticize that, then what are we doing here? Because I think if you look at any other MVP candidate, whether it's you know Jokic, whether it's Giannis, if they had that type of performance that Embiid had in the first half, and I know he had a ton of rebounds. I know he had you know, 13, 14, 15 rebounds in that first half. I, you got to score the basketball. And it, I mean, this is up to Glenn. I know they were doubling him. You look at, give you a prime example. Look at Steph Curry and the perception of his first NBA finals. How did they guard Steph Curry? They doubled him. They trapped him so much that Andre Iguodala won finals MVP. And I, I thought that was incredibly egregious. But the perception of that MVP, the perception of that finals was that Steph Curry didn't have a good finals. And I, I totally disagree with that. But if you're held up to that standard, you got to hold it up to that standard. And, you know, so it's just that's where I was frustrated. And I, I got a lot of backlash on Twitter today. Um, NBC Sports retweeted me. Old Taste Exposed retweeted me. And I think, you know, eventually Joel Embiid eventually had, you know, a, a solid game. He had 26 points, 7 and 15 from the field. He had, you know, three assists. One block, I mean, one steal, he had two blocks. I mean, the two blocks in the third quarter were absolutely incredible. Mikael Bridges was, you know, driving down a transition, and his recovery was just, like, unbelievable. So I think Joel Embiid had a game that, you know, made you say, you know what, okay, I see why he's the MVP, but against this team with no centers, I need more. And I, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm not going to apologize for that. Yeah, you're, I don't understand why you're not allowed to react to what you're seeing uh, in a game. I agree. It, it, it is very different. It's gotten very different. I mean, I remember, I, I feel like it really stuck out to me during those Carson Wentz years when I'm covering the Eagles and I would write critically about Carson Wentz and people would get mad. And I'm just like, man, do you remember what Donovan McNabb, what the conversation was like around Donovan McNabb uh, in his career or somebody who had accomplished way more than Carson Wentz has accomplished? Like, you're allowed to, you're not, you're not taking cheap shots at any Buddy, you're talking about the way they're playing and you don't like the way they're playing. So yeah, everybody settle down. Don't get don't get so yeah. defensive. What are you supposed to say during a game? Yeah, I mean, like when your stars, when Joel MB has eight turnovers, eight turnovers, James Harden has five turnovers. You have 19 turnovers against the better teams in this league, against Boston. What do we struggle with? Transition. Yeah. So we're getting away with it now. But we're not going to get away with that in the future. And I think that demands some criticism. As much as I love Joel Embiid, much as I love James Harden, we can't turn the ball over like this. So um, I got on old takes exposed. Um, and I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. An MVP voter actually told me that 
he was embarrassed to have voted for Joel Embiid. So he agreed with my statement, an MVP voter. You know, so um, one thing I, I like to stress is that MVP is not voted on in a vacuum. It's not. I mean, what you do in the playoffs kind of determines how people feel about you. Um, and it validates that award. And we all want to see Joe Embiid validate that award by, you know, crushing the, the Nets in this series, running through the Celtics and taking us to a championship. So. Yeah, like you said, he finishes. The, the box score looks good. 20 points, 19 uh, rebounds here, three blocks, seven assists. So, yeah, he got it going. They got it going with him in the, uh, in the second half there. But you're reacting in, throughout the course of a game. I mean, that first half, any Sixers fan who watched that first half, like I don't, I don't understand how anyone would react differently to the way the team was playing other than being frustrating and fed up. I mean, even the, the announcers are calling them sluggish and Grant Hill's calling them sluggish and lethargic <laughs> during the game. I mean, those guys are never criticizing uh, the players they see. So uh, I think it's okay. Like you're, you're allowed to watch games fire off some tweets react uh react to it it's gonna be okay you know he'll, i got, a, I got a question back. for you yeah yeah do you ever like okay so we're philly guys and we work work at a company where you know bill simmons is is a boston as they come there's a ton of boston yeah. guys here do you feel like a lot of people when you criticize philadelphia teams they accuse you of you know like selling your allegiance to the to the ringer you know um because that's that's what i've been getting a lot <laughs> I've gotten a little bit of that. Now I'm the other. Oh, what did you have to sign in your contract? And I'm like, dude, I ripped Bill Belichick like once a week during the entire football season for how poorly coached that Patriots team was. I, you know, I don't, I, we, we did not have to do anything. I, I tell him, I said, you know what I tell him? I said, I joined the ringer and part of the deal to join the ringer was Bill Simmons wanted to launch a Philly special podcast. I'm like, the guy wanted to launch a Philly special uh, podcast. So no, I didn't have to sign uh, any of my allegiances away, but yes, you do get that uh, a little bit but that's good now now we have more philly people in the mix we've got voices when the team plays well i said this raheem i said uh you know before the philly special was launched joel Embiid had not won an mvp the philly special launches we got Bill Simmons. We got Ryan Russillo going publicly that they voted for Joel Embiid for the MVP. So anybody who comes at you, let them know you have an influence uh, there. You have a very strong and powerful voice uh, on the NBA and at the company, and you've been using it for good. Just because you fire off a couple tweets when the team's playing like crap, that doesn't mean you've been doing that all season long. Your influence has made a big impact here. So there you go. You can just yeah, cut this, that this clip is, this out. Is the, well, this is the Philly yeah. takeover of the ringer. I've actually, you know, Bill <laughs> actually got mad at me for this but i've actually been calling bill belichick jeff fisher with a hoodie <laughs> and he's getting so bad <laughs> but i mean like i'm a tom brady fan but you know it's just i always say you know bill bill belichick is just he's jeff fisher with a hoodie without time so um we, we are not biased towards boston just to let you guys hey. know <laughs> 25, 25, and 25 since Tom Brady left. Bill Belichick, just make a note uh, there. So there you go. That was my impassioned speech, Raheem. If anyone comes at you or has that question about your allegiances, you know, Cliff can just cut that clip of me. You can just post it there and say, look at what we've done at the ringer, the Philly influence we've had since we launched the podcast. All right. Anything, anything else you needed to get to or are you good? I, I just want to say I love what Maxie did tonight. Um, and, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, and that is the thing that I'm encouraged with. Um, and you know, like one thing I will say is that Chris has been saying this all year. We've been a second half team. We've been a second half. I mean, we held them to 43 second half points. 
Yeah. That is encouraging. Um, that is the one thing I can say. For whatever reason, we might have struggled in the first half. Unlike previous years, like uh, you said it before, we'd have lost this game before. We, yeah. we, we locked all windows and closed the doors, <laughs> like Mark <laughs> Zumos would say. That's so, right. yeah, no, I love it. I mean, you look at this, this was, a, this was a third percentile offensive performance for Brooklyn. I mean, they scored 84 points in this game. That's unheard of in, a, in an NBA game uh, in this era right now. So, no doubt about it. The defense showed up. Uh, they rebounded. The first half was ugly. The offense was ugly. The shooting was not great. They win the game by 12 points. Uh, what do you think? What, what was your series prediction? Was it, uh, did you have a sweep or Sixers and five? And are you changing, uh, changing from that now after we see the first two games? I think I said Sixers and five. I, I just think, you know, okay. Sixers just find ways of getting unfocused. Um, and I think I said lay the Sixers minus two and a half. Um, that's always kind of been my thing. Um, just because I just think the Sixers, they have, they always have those weird games. But I'm questioning if, if this was that weird game. Yeah, it might have been. This might have been the weird game, and they won it. So we'll see. Series goes to Brooklyn on Thursday, right? Thursday and Saturday in Brooklyn. Maybe they drop that game uh, Thursday and win in five. I think if they win Thursday, uh, it's going to be a sweep. You get a little rest. You get ready to face the Boston Celtics in the second round. The Sixers are minus four and a half on the road in that game. Um, I'm mm. trying to think. What, let me pull up my model and see what my model actually has this game at. I'm, I'm okay. actually curious. Um, my model actually has this game. I actually have the Sixers minus six and a half. So, okay. um, yeah, I mean, obviously you don't want to blindly play a model when it comes to the postseason. Um, and, you know, typically you, in the past what you would have is that you'd have the home team down 0-2 kind of come out, you know, with, with a, you know, a ton of fire. Um, So much that they actually, they started making the home team for the first half in the full game, the same spread. Um, So that's been priced out of the market. Um, I think at this point, you know, maybe you might even want to fade that, you know, maybe you might want to come out and say, you know, take the Sixers first half in that game. Um, But, you know, obviously we have the Ringer Gambling Show. We have East Coast Bias. We have the Hundreds. We'll talk a a, a little bit about the spreads more on there. Um, But I think I might end up on the Sixers in this game. There you go. Yeah, check out Raheem's uh, The Hundreds. That's awesome. I've been looking at it uh, every game. 100 bets for the NBA. I love it. You got off to a hot start. Yeah, Faith, it's a long, listen, it's a long postseason. Have faith uh, in Ryan. This guy's watching all the games. He's got the model. It's been fun to follow along with that. You can look at that on the Ringer's Gambling Show. Or all those are also on the ringer.com, right? They post the, the bets every yeah. day. Yeah, okay. I mean, we got the article. We got a nice little small write-ups and everything like that. I mean, we didn't get the Sixers first half tonight, but we did get the Sixers under um, 213. There we said go. that was going to be a low-scoring game and, you know, Ended off like that, so. <laughs> there you go. Check it out from Raheem. All right, Raheem, this was fun. I think mm-hmm. we'll be back Thursday night after. Uh, is it, is it me and you so, or um, me, you, and Chris? Like, how are we gonna do it? We might need to get a, we might need to get a, a triple team at some three, point. Little three man weave. Yeah, we might have to do a little three man weave. So we'll figure it out. We got to get Cliff involved. You know, we might just have Cliff in here too. Cliff had a great uh, you know co host debut after Game One with Chris Ryan to rave review. So we'll figure it all out. Mm-hmm. We'll continue to bring you the post game pods. If you're uh, wondering about Eagle stuff, Solak and I did a Jalen Hurts pod earlier. We'll do some draft talk later in the week as well. All right. Thanks to Raheem. Thanks to Cliff Augustine. Appreciate everyone listening and we'll talk to you soon on the Ringers Philly Special. 
This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.